That was a joke. How long he held that out? That was a joke about my back and the way it hurts. So yesterday at our food pantry, I bent over to lift up a 50-pound bag of dog food and wrenched my back. And so we were making fun of how I would hobble up here as I tried to attempt to get up here. And here I am. I'm here. So we're glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, If I have not met you, my name is Ray. I'm a pastor here. And man, we're excited that you're with us today. We're going to continue in a series we're calling Who Is This Jesus? And uh, here's the deal. For 22 weeks now, we've been walking through the book of Mark and just kind of dissecting uh, the scriptures and seeing what it says about who is this Jesus as we kind of see him just do his ministry and do his life and different things like that. Uh, And so all that to say this morning is actually going to look a little different. All right. Now, again, if you're a guest or maybe you've been in church before and you hear the pastor say that, it's kind of like, whoa, what are we going to do? Okay. Uh, So I'm going to give you a heads up. Here's what we're going to do. So it's going to be a shorter message today. And some of you are like, woohoo. But it's going to be a shorter message. And then, too many of you are laughing at that. Well, um, so it's going to be a shorter message today. And then uh, we're going to have an extended time of prayer. Okay. And so what we've been talking about over these past couple weeks and kind of been encouraging you is like we want to create a foundation of prayer and what we uh, what we feel like God is asking us to do and what he's asking us to step into. And so uh, I want you to understand something. It won't be, it might be a little uncomfortable for some of us, but it's not going to be uncomfortable, okay? Because we're all going to do it together. Uh, we kind of did something similar a couple weeks ago. Uh, but man, last service, it, it was awesome. Like just giving you a heads up, like it was awesome. Uh, and so I think it's going to be just a really, really sweet time. But here's, here's the reason for the time of prayer after this particular passage. I think this particular passage that we're looking at today, Mark chapter 7, verse 31 is where we're going to be. If you want to go ahead and turn there. But when you read through this account and you read through this scripture, there are a lot of prompts of how to pray. And what I mean by that is some promptings of reading through the scripture and going, how am I going to pray? And then seeing what Jesus does in this particular account, uh, there's some awesome things that I think we can lay before the Lord today. Okay. And so again, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be Mark chapter seven, verse 31. I just want to take a quick moment also to say, I would encourage you to bring a physical copy of God's word. All right. If you don't have one, we have some in the, uh, in the welcome center. We'd love to give you one for free just as a gift. Uh, But I would encourage you to bring that, okay? Uh, The reason being this, that you can actually hold it and see it, but also that you can take some notes there in your scripture as well, okay? And uh, there may be something you want to highlight or something like that, okay? Uh, But again, having a physical copy. Uh, And here's the other thing. If you don't have a physical copy today, it's going to be up on the screen for you as well. It may already be. It already is. So there you go. All right? Uh, But Mark chapter 7, verse 31 is where we're going to start. And here we go. Again... Leaving the region of Tyre, he went up to Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, he being Jesus, through the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a deaf man who also had a speech difficulty and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So he took him away from the crowd privately. After putting his fingers in the man's ears and spitting, he touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Ephatha. That is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened and his speech difficulty was removed and he began to speak clearly. Then he ordered them to tell no one, but the more that he ordered them, the more they would proclaim it. 
They were extremely astonished and said, He has done everything well. He even makes deaf people hear and people unable to speak talk. Let me pray for us as we dive in. All right. So, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to be in this place. And, Lord, we just pray that today our ears are open to what you have for us. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to speak to us today. Lord, to show us something new and fresh that maybe we haven't seen. And, Lord, in our time of prayer, Lord, may we be focused in on who you are, the goodness of who you are, and the things that you can accomplish, and the ways that you use us to accomplish those things. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. And we give this time to you in all that you do and all that you say. Lord, may your words speak truth to us in this moment. We love you in your son's awesome name. Amen. All right, so here we are, verse 31. And very similar to last week, Jesus is still on the move. Okay, last week we saw that he goes to the region of Tyre and Sidon. This week we see that he's moving to Sidon. So what that means is that he is moving north. So Sidon is a couple clicks, a couple miles north of Tyre, and he's headed that way. Then as he heads back to the Galilean region, he's actually heading down the east side of the Sea of Galilee. So if you were to look at it, it's on a map, it's almost like the GPS was broken. Like he goes up and then he kind of weaves over and then he goes around and he ends up in the region of the Decapolis. Now the Decapolis was this region of 10 cities that were all kind of closely intermingled. And there in the Decapolis, we find a trend that we have seen over and over in the book of Mark. People bring someone to Jesus, right? And they bring him to Jesus for the sake of the need of that individual. Now here's the thing. This particular individual was well-known, and not well-known for the sake of everybody knew him, but everybody knew him because of what was wrong with him, right? Like, we don't get his name, but what we do get of him is that he is deaf and has a speech problem, and that's how the people knew him. And so, again, here is this individual that comes before Jesus. Verse 32, they brought him, brought to him a deaf man who also had a speech difficulty and begged Jesus to lay his hands on him. So he took him away from the crowd privately. After putting his fingers in the man's ears and spitting, he touched his tongue. Now, studying this past week, verse 33 really stuck out to me. You're like, yeah, he's sticking his fingers in his ears and he's touching his tongue. It sticks out to me. But The first part is really what sticks out to me. He took him away from the crowd privately. Look, he takes this individual and he takes him off one on one. And when you think about that, that is a beautiful picture of what Jesus does with each of us right? He individualizes his relationship with us. It's not this general sweep of his people, though that is the case. There is a general sweep of his people, but there is an individualization that happens here in this moment that I think you and I can take to the bank and take home today, that Jesus can individualize his relationship with you. And then in addition to that, here's what he does. He touches his ears and his tongue. Now, I don't recommend that in social situations, but 
What has Jesus done? He has also individualized the moment for the individual. And he says, I recognize that this and this are where the pain and the problem is, and I'm going to do something about it. Fascinating. Fascinating that he pulls this one particular individual away and meets that one individual's specific need. Like he knows it. And so for us today, here's kind of where I want to, I want to, for us to see for just a minute is this, is recognize that the Lord knows where your pain is or hurt or struggle or whatever thing that you are walking through. Like he sees you and he knows you. But here's the other piece is that from that, we see this in verse 34, he prays over the man, but here's what he does. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Ephatha, which means be open. This is more than likely that particular individual's language. And you're like, well, he can't hear. No, but he can read his lips and he says it in his language. So again, for the individual, he gives the individual exactly what he needs. But also here's what we see in verse 34 is that he sighs deeply, right? He sighs deeply. Now, a couple things to kind of apply to that. Is he, why is he sighing? I guess is the question, right? Is he sighing out of this love and compassion for this particular individual? Or is he sighing because of the brokenness that has come from sin and the fact that this individual is deaf and dumb, as they would say? And the answer is yes. Yes, I believe he's sighing because of this hurting individual, but also he is sighing for the brokenness that has come because of the sins of the world. That's one of the foundations of why Jesus heals anyone in the first place, right? Is the restoration of those that are hurting and broken due to sin. And so then he says, Epitha, be open. Now I'd like to think for just a moment, did that particular man get to hear those words or did he read his lips as he's saying it and then the loud crowd around him affirms what he has just read Jesus's lips to say be opened and then what happens he can hear and he can speak he understood everything that was going on in the moment but what does that say there in verse 35 it says immediately Immediately, And so at the, the words of Jesus, immediately his ears were opened and his speech difficulty was removed and he began to speak clearly. He heals him there in that one moment. But again, put all that together now. He brings him off one by one, addresses his need and addresses that need in a way that he then heals him. And the people are astonished. Now, as we move into verse 30, uh, 36, I, I think it's funny that Jesus holds these people to the level that he does, like what he expects of them, right? Of the, of the people and the townspeople, because here it is. Put yourself in the story for a moment. You've brought your friend to Jesus and you're hoping that he will lay his hands on him, that he will bless him, that maybe even he will heal him. And then he does. And then Jesus says, don't tell anybody. What? Don't tell anybody. And then the scripture says that the more he ordered them not to tell, what did they do? They went and did it. 
more and more. But here's the thing. It's like, okay, that's direct disobedience to what Jesus is asking them to do. But I, I kind of put myself in the situation and I go, you know what, though? Jesus can't really be mad at that disobedience. Like, that's, that's a hard one to work through, right? But he can't really be mad. It's almost like when you discipline your child and then you're like, they do something funny or cute and then you crack and you're like, oh, it's kind of what's going on here. Jesus has told them what he expects of them, but they just can't contain it. They can't hold back. And so what do they do? They continue to proclaim it. But also you have this deaf man who has not been able to speak, and now he can. He's going to proclaim it. And he's going to say it because the Lord has opened his mouth. So here's the thing. Shouldn't we? Couldn't we be that way as well? When we see Jesus do something in our lives or we see Jesus do something in the lives of those around us, why do we not proclaim it? Why do we not share it? Right? Like that is our opportunity to go and share what Christ is doing in our lives with the people around us and with the people that maybe don't even yet know Christ. We have an opportunity to show his goodness and who he is. And from there, we see that they were all astonished. They were all astonished. Now, look at what's happening here. Like, if we go back over the past couple weeks, what has, what has happened? What's been accomplished? Well, here's what we've seen in Mark chapter 6 and 7. We've seen Jesus feed 5,000. He had this confrontation with the Pharisees. Then he healed the Gentile woman, and now he has healed this deaf man as well. But after all of that, what we find and kind of how Mark wraps up this particular part of his writing is that we see the people proclaim Jesus as Lord, as the Christ. They're astonished and they can't stop talking about him and the things that he's doing. And what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks is we're going to see another wave of this. We're going to see Jesus feed another large crowd. We're going to see him confront the Pharisees again. We're going to hear the confession of Peter. And then from there, we're going to see this other wrap up where the people are declaring him as amazing. He is Jesus Christ, the Lord. The whole point of Mark's writing, right? So the people reading it would see and recognize that Jesus is Christ the Lord. That's who he is. And so every effort Mark makes is so that we see that. And so today, who is this Jesus? Well, he's the one that loosens lips. He loosens lips. And so here's what we're going to do this morning is that we are going to loosen our lips a little bit. And we're going to have, an, again, an extended time of prayer. Okay? And so when we look at this particular scripture, here's what we see. We see four kind of prompts, perhaps, that are here in the scriptures that we ourselves can pray. And I'm going to ask you to maybe write these down, okay? Because I'm going to ask you at the end to continue to pray these throughout the week. All right? So the first one is this. We see a prompt of praise and thankfulness. Praise and thankfulness. Then we see a prompt of prayer for compassion. We see a prompt of a prayer for spiritual openness. And then we see a prayer for our faith and our witness. Boldness in our faith and in our witness. Now we have a study tool that we use in our discipleship called Seven Arrows. We've shared it a couple times on Sunday mornings. 
And one of the final questions that you ask is seven questions that you ask of the text. Okay, so you read the text and then you ask these questions of the text. And the final question on that particular sheet is this. How does this passage prompt me to pray? Okay, how does this passage prompt me to pray? And so we've now worked through the text. We've taken it apart. And now we're going to model that for us this morning. How does the text prompt us to pray? Well, again, here's the things that it prompts us to pray. And so what that's going to look like is this. The band's going to come up. They're going to lead us through some music. There's going to be a prompt up on the screen for you to know what to pray. And then me or some others are going to lead you through a short prayer. And then you're going to have about three to four minutes on your own to pray. Okay? And then from there, we'll wrap up each of those topics. Sound good? It's not, it's not as terrible as it seems, I promise. Okay? So, what do we see first? Well, we see a prayer for praise and thankfulness. Okay, so what do I need to pray? Well, how are you thankful for how He, Jesus, has worked in your life? What are some ways that you're thankful for that? Because here's what we see in the text. Mark 7, 33-34, we, we see the Lord's goodness. We see His mercy. We see His individualized love for those that He cares for and walks with. And so here's how we're going to pray. Lord, in these next few moments, Lord, I just want to spend some time thanking You for Your goodness and Your mercy that You have given me. And Lord, in these next few moments, I just want to individualize that right now. So what that means for us this morning is this, is that we take that upon ourselves and we thank Him for the things that He has accomplished in our life. So we're going to give you just a few moments to do just that. 